today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. God can move in you and I supernaturally. God can cause us supernaturally to go left when all the time we wanted to go right. He says, no, I want you to go left because there's no telling what may happen here. How open is your life to be used by God? If it's only within the limitations of your logic, of your understanding, and or your abilities then you've limited God to who you are. When we face something impossible, we try to rationalize. We calculate our best ideas, and we forget that God can do the supernatural. Today, we will learn with Pastor David that when the Israelites had to cross the Jordan, they could have chosen several reasonable alternatives, according to man's wisdom. However, God called them to step into the river and watch him open the waters. Joshua could have argued with God, but instead he obeyed in faith. And only for that reason were they able to experience the miracles of God. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Crossing Over. himself on the line he's putting his reputation he's putting his leadership everything another true confession remember love covers a multitude of sins okay uh as the pastor i've led in some wrong things through the years i'm not going to enumerate because some of you don't know it so why mess you up uh but there's been times that i've made mistakes but you know what if you're not doing anything you don't make mistakes But if you're moving forward and you're wanting to move in the Lord, there's going to be times that you're going to choose wrong. There's going to be times that you, if you're honestly seeking the Lord in your life, if you're honestly seeking His direction in your life, and there's no known rebellion or gross sin in your life, and you want to do the things of God, and you feel impressed that this is the way that God would have me to do, suddenly you step, and you step over here, and all of a sudden, no, that wasn't, that wasn't. You know what I found out about God, what I've seen in His Word, and what I've experienced in my own life? If you do it with an honest integrity of desiring to follow the Lord, God doesn't reach down and smack you. God reaches down, lifts you back up, and says, no, you missed that one. It's over here is where you need to be. You see, the graciousness and the long-suffering and the mercy of God is demonstrated when the children of God desire to serve him, desire to follow him, desire to be obedient. And you know what? Sometimes we miss. Joshua here is putting everything on the line. And the Lord says, you know what? 
you do this, you're obedient to this, and I'll exalt you among the people. And they'll see really who you are. So as the priests make their way to the river banks, they're, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua once again speaks to the people. Verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, Take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, and they that stand shall stand as a heap. In other words, what he's saying is, there's a great miracle that's about to happen. And when that miracle takes place, I'm going to tell you what that miracle is. And when that miracle takes place, then you're going to understand. Hopefully that's going to be the, the booster of your faith. That you'll be able to see this. And, and I'm going to tell you, if he does that, then he can come against all these, the Gergesites, the Hittites, the Amorites, uh, all the parasites, all, all of them. He'll, he'll come against all of them for you. And this is your assurance that he'll do that because he's going to part these waters right here. And it's so amazing at this point in time. What Joshua is telling them is he is the one true almighty God. He's not simply a God among other gods. He is the God of all man's gods. He's the God above all kingdoms, all people groups. He is above the politics. He's above the relativisms of, of any day. He's able to fight our fight against the foe. And beloved, he is the winner. Not that he is able to win. No, he is the winner against every fight that you and I have in our lives. The only reason that we don't believe that is because we don't recognize the greatness and the might and the majesty of who he is. And when we start working in our brains and allowing our spirits to understand the greatness and the majesty and the might of Almighty God, then, beloved, then we can start believing him. We can start believing him. We can start believing him in areas of our lives that, man, it's still a struggle here, it's still a struggle there. Trust God. Believe God that he's going to do what he promised he would do. Joshua declares, once you see this, you'll recognize how great God is. God gave testimony of his greatness by drying out that river in order that the people might be able to get to the other side. Verse 14, so it was when the people set out from camp, to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all of its banks during the whole time of harvest. It says, when their feet dipped into those banks, 
that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and they rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside Zaratan. And so the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, or the Dead Sea as we know it today, they failed, they were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite of Jordan. We're talking about the Jordan River in flood stage. We don't hardly see that anymore because, again, due to irrigation dams and channeling of the river, you know, for agricultural purposes, you really don't see the Jordan River as it was in those days. But at that time, the river ran free and during certain times of the year, particularly at the time of harvest, because of the rains up in the northern area, in the mountains of northern Galilee, it would overflow its banks. Why did God choose that time and not the summer when the Jordan River would have come down to a much... Wouldn't that have been easier? In our mind, it would have been easier. But in God's mind, it doesn't matter. You realize he's the same God that split open the Red Sea. So what if the Jordan River is over its banks? That ain't nothing to God. Bad English, but good theology, okay? It was nothing to him, whether it's the summer with a trickle or the flooding season where it went over its banks. For God, it's, hey, let's do this thing because he is more than able to do what he's promised. The passage tells us that the waters which came from upstream stood still, rose in a heap very far away at Adam. The location of Adam isn't really fully known. There is a place about 16 miles north of that area where they were that's called, that's a tell, it's tell Ed Demehu, El Demehu. They, they think that that might be the place. But how did they stand still and rise up in a heap? A lot of people think that, well, you know, maybe it was a a geographical thing. Maybe there was something that took place uh, with the geology of the land. And as a matter of fact, there are some understandings. D.K. Campbell, in, in his commentary, speaks about this. He says, how could this sensational event occur? Many insist that it was no real miracle since the event could be explained by natural phenomena. They point out that on December 8th, back in 1267, an earthquake caused the high banks of the Jordan to collapse, actually near that area that they're speaking of, and it dammed up the river for about 10 hours. And then on July 11th in 1927, another earthquake happened near about the same location. It blocked the river for about 21 hours. And of course, these stoppages didn't occur during the flood season at all. So admittedly, God could have employed natural causes such as an earthquake and a landslide, and the timing would have still been a miraculous intervention. But does the biblical text really allow for such an interpretation of this event? And he writes on, he says, Considering all the factors involved, it seems best to view this occurrence as a special act of God brought about in a way unknown to man. How did God do it? He's God. He is God. And he said, stop. And the waters could do no less than stop. Many supernatural elements were all brought together for this to happen. And again, Campbell brings these out. He says, The event came to pass just as it was predicted. Remember, Joshua said, as soon as the priests put their feet in the water, boom, it's going to stop. 
Yeah, but Joshua had this mind. He knew that it was going to be an earthquake. He felt it. No. You know, how, how did he know? And the timing was exact. The event took place when the river was at flood stage. The wall of water was held in place for many hours, possibly the entire day. And then on top of that, the soft bottom of the river that had been wet for millennia was dry land for them to walk across. The same way with the Red Sea. It says that the Lord sent a wind through there, dried up the land. How he did it here? Maybe the same thing. And then the other thing that you need to understand is the water returned immediately as soon as the people had crossed over and the priest came out of the river that we'll look at in a moment. Still quoting from Campbell here. He says, centuries later, now catch this, not only does Joshua and the people of Israel go across at the exact time that Joshua says, when the priest put it in there, we're not waiting for anything, it's flood stage, we're going across, as soon as you put your feet there, God's going to stop the water, we're going across. Not only does that happen, but centuries later, the prophets Elijah and Elisha cross that same river on dry ground, heading back to the east, heading the other way. Remember, he takes his mantle and hits the water and opens up. Soon thereafter, Elisha crossed back over the river on dry ground again. So tell me, how many earthquakes and landslides have to happen at the exact precise time and hard, dry winds come and dry out a muddy river bed in order for that to happen? Beloved, it is the hand, the might, and the power of Almighty God working within the lives of the people of God who are foolish enough to trust what he says. Foolish enough to trust what he says. Because that's what the world says about you and I, that we're fools to trust what this word says. And it seems like every week, every day, the call from the world about how foolish Christianity is, gets louder and louder and louder. So I guess the question really is, is are we willing to be fools for Christ? Are we willing to trust him to the uttermost? And when he says, you know what? Hey, you need to get ready because tomorrow we're moving. We're doing something. God's going to move wonders. Are you ready? Sanctify yourself. Be ready to do that. Okay, Lord, I'm ready at any moment, at any time. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever commitment you want me to make, Lord, I'm ready. I don't want anything that is so temporary in this life to hold me back from experiencing the blessings of the eternity and the supernatural that you have available for me. Think about it for a moment, church. What is there in our lives? I don't care if you got a lot of money or little money. I don't care if you live in a little travel trailer or you live in a huge, you know, 4,000 square foot home. I don't care if you drive the newest car or you're on a bicycle. I don't care what you've got. There is nothing that you and I have but that it's temporary. It's temporary. Bob Davis, our pastor down in Sierra Vista, you say, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. And what are we going to hold on to so tightly that would keep us from trusting him 
And where is it in our lives that we're going to stop and say, you know what, I don't want to do this because I might get embarrassed if God doesn't answer the way that I think he's going to answer. What if Joshua thought, whoa, I'm not going to say that. That's crazy. But you know one thing that Joshua had going for him? He saw the Red Sea part. He knew the power of God. Remember, Joshua and Caleb, they were the two of the spies. They saw the exact same land that the other ten spies saw. They saw the same giants. They saw the same walled cities. They saw the same fierce warriors that were in Canaan. And yet they came back and said, that's okay, our God's bigger. Our God's stronger. Our God's able to do this thing. Why are we not going? No, we need to go now. God's promised it to us. And so because of his faithfulness, God is now using him once again. Because of his experience, he's willing to trust God once again. Campbell finishes this up. If a natural phenomena is necessary to explain the Israelites crossing under the command of Joshua, then one would have to conclude that, again, two earthquakes occurred in quick sequence at the exact time, at the same place, for the same purposes. And, guys, that's preposterous. You see, the world wants you and I to believe in what can be calculated what can be figured, what can be seen with the human eye, what can be figured out on the math board, the statistics. And yet, everything that I read within the Word of God, our God blows those things away. What what man can live inside of a fish? Are you kidding me? There's no fish alive that a man could... Really? How about if God made one? How about if God prepared a fish for man? How big is your God? On and on and on we could go. Uh, and, And I'll even throw this out because I know that some of you really struggle with this. How old is the earth? Well, it's got to be millions of years old because there's just no way. Why does it have to be millions of years? If God said he created the earth in six days, he rested on the seventh, and it was morning and it was evening, of the first day, and it was morning and evening. That was the second day, and it was morning and evening the third day. Really and truly, how big is your God? If you can't calculate that, if you can't trust that. Oh, but they'll think that I'm a fool. Okay. I'd rather believe my God and his word than man any time at any day. As we read, the children of Israel, they walked across on solid ground. Verse 17 Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. All of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. God made a way for his perfect will to be done in the lives of those children of Israel by bringing about a supernatural event. Paul told the church of Colossians, he says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Well, God just opened a huge door for the children of Israel. 
First, they had to get themselves ready, sanctify yourselves in preparation. They had to prepare themselves spiritually in order that God could use them to bring them into this place that he's going to reveal himself more and more and more. And yes, there was going to be more battles, so you've got to be ready. The priests were to walk out, and they had to step in obedience to his command and not by sight. Because all of man's logic, all of man's understanding says, let's not cross right now. We've waited a few hundred years. We've waited 40 years. Why don't we wait a few more months for harvest season to be done? Summer's going to be coming up pretty soon. We could probably cross all these people a lot easier. Why in the world would we embarrass ourselves by trying to make happen something that makes absolutely no sense? No, they had to walk in obedience. And God was going to stop the waters and open up that door to the promised land. That door of opportunity for the word. That door of opportunity that the very mystery of our God is going to be made known to a Gentile world. And within that area, as we continue on, we look, we see, we understand on all of this, that as God promised them what he would do, he did in their lives. He did it by his mighty power, and he did it on his own. He could have just as easily, and bear with me just for a few moments, he could have just as easily, and it would have been well within reason, understanding, even for God, to tell the children of Israel, Go up to the mountains, cut down masses of trees, masses of trees. And I'm going to show you how to build a bridge. God could have done that. But he didn't do that. Why? Because as Joshua says, God is going to show you his supernatural power in order that you might know the greatness of his power over the enemies that you are just about to encounter in order that you might know the greatness of his power against the battles that you're about to face. God wanted his people to be a part of his plan, so he showed them the supernatural in order that they might trust him for the supernatural. We think too many times, I think, of supernatural as, you know, uh, something weird and freaky. And you know what? The supernatural is the work and hand of God moving within our lives. Sometimes it moves us in a supernatural. It's not our natural way. It's not our natural abilities. It is a supernatural move of his hand. Maybe for us to speak to somebody about Christ. Oh, I wouldn't do that naturally. Well, God's moving you supernaturally to pray for someone, to call up someone, to visit someone, to speak the right thing in the midst of the wrong thing being spoken. God can move in you and I supernaturally. God can cause us supernaturally to go left when all the time we wanted to go right. He says, no, I want you to go left because there's no telling what may happen here. How open is your life to be used by God. If it's only within the limitations of your logic, of your understanding, and or your abilities, then you've limited God to who you are. So the question is, who really is your God? 
one of the mightiest warriors in the entire Bible was Joshua. God used Joshua to conquer many of the pagan nations surrounding God's people. From spying out the land God had promised his people, to Joshua's encounter with the angel of the Lord, this book will surely be an encouragement. Join us as David teaches through Joshua verse by verse. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. That's TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.